Sometimes you hear something about something you've seen or heard about for a long time, but the way you hear it or something you hear about it kind of changes how you look at it from that moment on. You ever have that happen? Uh, let, me, let me give you an example. Um, and I'm going to try to do this. Let's see what I can do. I'm having trouble. Guess what? Brian, here we go. You ready? There's a lot of these today. Technical difficulties. All right. What we're going to show you is a map. That's the map. That's a map of the continent of Australia. You've probably seen the continent of Australia before. Right? But you may not know when you look at it that that's Australia, just seeing it by itself. So imagine this. Imagine that there's a line drawn down the middle of the continent of Australia. So here, let's take a look. Okay. All right. Here's what you see when you look at the continent of Australia. On the left side, you see a dog's head. And on the right side, you see a cat's head. And they're both profiled, right? And the cat is looking down. And then there's a little thing underneath, and that's cat food that the cat is eating. That's Tasmania. You now will always know where Tasmania is, right? Okay, if you want, that's, that's how you can picture it. And so when you go back and look at the original map, from now on, at least this, it's ruined for me, it's a cat's head and a dog's head forever, Right? There are some things you may not know about certain uh, places. I'm going to see if it will work now, right? Here we go. For instance, or, or certain things. This is the insignia for the Atlanta Falcons. Do you know that by design, the Atlanta Falcons insignia is designed in the shape of an F for Falcons? Who knew? You've seen the sign for Baskin-Robbins ice cream, right? This one's fairly easy. If you look at the B and the R, two parts of those are in color. You see what's in the middle? It forms 31 because Baskin-Robbins historically has been known for 31 flavors. Here's something you see every day, right? You see FedEx trucks. You see FedEx. Do you know that by design, in the, in the logo for FedEx, between the E and the X is purposefully a shape of a perfect arrow to kind of show the direction that they're moving forward? If you've seen the, the signs for the La Tour de France... Do you know that there's a bicyclist in that? There's a bicyclist. He's hunched over. He's, got, he's over the front wheel. And he's sitting, and then there's a back wheel. And here's the insignia for Hershey Kisses. Now, you see that there's two big Hershey Kisses in that picture, right? Do you know that there's also a third Hershey Kiss? It is tucked in between the K and the I. On its side, there's a little Hershey Kiss. And if there's anything that's true in life, you can never have too many Hershey kisses. Sometimes you see that kind of thing, and forever it changes the way you look at it. You'll never look at it the same if you know something about it. Now, that is our hope for what's going to happen for you and me when it comes to an exercise that we're all called to be part of in this series. The exercise is that of you being somebody who worships. Now, in the, in the context here, we're talking about collective worship. And we had a good discussion earlier. Somebody said, you know, worship can happen anywhere. It can happen individually. It can happen collectively. It can happen with music or without music. We get that. We're going to focus on what happens when we're here just as a learning time for it to see what the Bible says about this. And our hope is that as a result of kind of walking through this together, it forever changes your, yours and my understanding and participation in the difference between worship being something that's an event you attend or even participate in, and, exp- and an experience that you have 
that actually has an effect on your soul. Now, this is a, I'm going to give you a little review from last week. For those of you who were here or weren't here, it doesn't matter. I think it's worth listening to. I don't say that very often, but the first 15 minutes of last week are worth listening to. But here's a summary of that, that there are three. When Jesus said, he, he, he described in John 4, that God desires people who would worship him, he said, in spirit and in truth. And we don't quite know what that means, but when you dig that out a little bit, you talk about what the Bible says about that, you pick up some things that seem to be component parts of that. How you, do, how you worship him in truth, it, it starts with this. I'm going to give you three of these, that you hold up. This is what a worshiper does. They hold up a truth statement about God. It's something that's true. It, it, it could be a scripture statement. It could be something that's based on a scripture statement. It could be an appropriate response to something that's true about God, who, his person, his power, his presence, his activity in your life, his, his perspective on things. You, what these guys do when they lead us in worship is they hand you truth statements. Worship songs are handing us truth statements there we don't just pick the by the you know by the way our our pastor of worship dan burmeister he works his tail off he does not just look for cool catchy tunes he he tests them according to scripture he looks at them he makes he want he sees how they're crafted do they appropriately present truth and so you take so as a worshiper if i'm sitting here or or in any place of worship Worship starts with worshiping in truth means I start with a truth statement about God. And then what I do is, and this is significant, I don't just restate that statement. What I do is from my own life, I attach something to that statement. I attach my specific situation to that statement. What tr- what do, where does that truth touch my condition right now, my situation right now? If God is in control, and I'm just taking that statement, what is he control of in my life that I need to see him be in control of? It opens up my heart. It opens up my spirit. We're worshiping in spirit and in truth. And then worship takes that coupling, that truth statement, and my own position about it, the condition of my soul, and it consciously expresses those directly to God. I present those to him. I present myself and those things to him. When I do that... I've gone a long way toward engaging in an experience that worships in spirit and in truth. Now, the effect of that is, as we saw this last week, but there's a whole lot more we could say about it. When you came in here today, your soul needed something. Sometimes you're more aware of it than others, but the fact is your soul needed something today. And some of you are sitting here right now, and you know it absolutely. Your soul is dry and aching and weeping. Your soul is hurting. Some days your soul is exhilarated, but your soul needs something. There is one act more than any other act on, on planet Earth that has an effect of energizing, of healing your soul. It is connecting with God and it's doing so in worship. So when we worship in spirit and truth, it has an effect on us. Re-energize. It recalibrates our perspective. It helps us get clarity about what we're facing and what we're feeling. It gives us hope. It reconnects us directly with God, our Father. It, and then it can have this healing effect on us. It can strengthen us. It happens when our heart is engaged. And so that's why, by the way, sometimes it happens. It happens a lot around here. 
we don't try to make it happen. It just happens. That suddenly you or somebody near you all of a sudden just feels a wave of emotion when you're worshiping. Do you ever have that happen? Often, not always, but often that's attached to the fact that something just happened where the truth of God and my own life were coupled together and were opened up in front of him and it can affect us on a heart level. Sometimes that shows in emotion. It can make it meaningful. It can touch us. It can... It makes it an experience. And so what we're doing in this series is we're just kind of presenting that, reminding ourselves, trying to anchor that. And I would encourage you, if, if you take notes or if you try to remember the main parts of what we do, if you could take those three statements that we've made and try to embed those in your perspective when you walk in the room here, and again, any place you worship, I, I, I can tell you from, from my life, this has changed my attitude and my experience in what it means to be a worshiper and the effect of worship in my life. I, don't, I personally find it very difficult to be passive as a worshiper when those things are happening. I find it very, very difficult to be distracted or to want to be distracted. And so, we're, so then now what we're doing is we're taking that and we're going to try and, and we're trying to give a like almost like a a lab experience. We wanted to w- kind of walk through that with you a little bit. And so what we wanted to do is we take a, just a, a, one, of our, one of our vehicles for worship, and that's what the music can be, a vehicle, one of our worship songs. Give you a little bit of it at a time, and, and let's walk through this together. How do you do those things with what we've done? So I'm gonna, Sean's going to come and join me up here again, I think. And there's a, there's a song that, um, that we have done here. And the song is called, You Hold Me Now. And that's a statement to God. You hold me now. And what we're going to do is take a little bit at a time. You're, Sean's going to lead us. You can sing the part if you like. You can listen to it if you like. And we're going to just pause then for, for a minute and talk about, okay, how do, how do I become a worshiper with that as a vehicle? So here's the first part of the song, You Hold Me Now. You're welcome to join in as Sean sings for us. going don't you now do you know what you just heard or said let's think about what you just said because you were presented with some truth statements about god what he's done and a reality and that tr- and truth statement started about talking about on that day when we get to see you it's talking about something that's a promise a promise that god made to the world to his followers but he made that promise to you here's the truth statement he has prepared a place for you. There is a day that's coming that's absolute and secure. And there, in that day, several things are going to be true. You heard a bunch of them. In Scripture, it talks about that promise. And the promise, in, in a, it really means there's a day of wholeness.
coming, a day of completeness coming, a day when what we were intended for and designed for that's been marred by sin and marred by our own lives and all the pain of it, well, that will be purged and, and we, there will be an experience and that experience will not end. It's what you were made for. God promises that. And as a result of that, it says, let the praises rise to you alone. Here's some of what God has said in his word about that. In 1 John chapter 3, it says, dear friends, now we're, now we're children of God. Okay, so this is talking, by the way, if you're not a follower of Christ yet, and you're on the journey of trying to figure out what it means and whether you want to follow him, that's fine. We want you to be here, explore it, think about it, test it. This is what happens. This is one of the things that happens when somebody crosses the line of faith and they've invited Jesus Christ to be the Savior of their soul and cleanse them from their sins because of what he did on the cross. The Bible says that, that he calls that redemption or being born a second time. And it gives us an eternal life that's embedded within us that will not end. It also changes everything for us, including it changes our destiny. It changes us from living out eternity of separated from God to being in the presence of God. We are made the, part of the family of God. All that's going on. So that's what's all in when he says we're the children of God. And that's what it says. Now look, when you look around at us right now, and this isn't hard to understand, we, what we will be has not yet been made known. Thank heavens, man, for that. You know, seriously, like, I, if this is all I got, I'm, you know, I really want to have, I want to be in better shape than this forever. And what he says is, yeah, what we have has, what, what we're going to be has not been made known yet, hasn't been revealed. But we know that when he, Jesus Christ, appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Something's going to change about us and about our circumstances. In 1 Corinthians, it gives a little detail. It says the body that was sown, that's where you're walking around in right now, it's perishable. It's raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There's something radical is going to happen to your very presence. That what you were designed for, you will finally be given. All the impurity is gone. And the surroundings will be gone. And in Revelation, it talks about the new heaven and the new earth. When God brings his kingdom and restores it, he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And there, this, is, this is a real thing. Jesus said, when he ascended into heaven, I'm going to go and get it ready for you the eternal home that we were made for. You heard a line in that song that the streets are made of gold. That is not just poetry. It's from Revelation 21. When it says, the great streets of the city, street of the city was of pure gold like transparent glass. Do you know that, by the way, and I don't know all the chemistry of this, but I've heard that the process of precious metals is, in, is done in such a way that, you know, pure, the, it's purified by fire and, 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 and the, the gold can be purified. Do you, they say that theoretically, if gold could be absolutely purified, the more it gets purified, the more translucent it would become. That metal can become translucent only if it's completely purified. So when you picture gold streets in heaven, gold streets are not going to be like bright yellow. They're going to have this wild kind of translucent type of glass, like glass of the sea kind of thing going on. Do you have trouble picturing some of that? You're not alone because the Bible says... As it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. There is something that is beyond imagining 
that's available to us. This is not a coping mechanism for getting through your day. This is not pie in the sky, sweet by and by stuff. This is not just make-believe. This place, this reality exists at this very moment. It's being prepared for us. And God says, when you give your life to me, I'm, I, there's a guarantee for you. It's waiting. You will experience it. Did you ever get one of those envelopes that says, you may ha- already be a winner? You know, some sweepstakes. And you go, really? I may already be a winner? And, you know, I mean, if you're, the first time you see it, you go, is that real? And of course it's not real. Because somebody wins those things, but nobody wins those things. You know what I mean? And I have all my life wished I had some rich relative somewhere who would, like, die. Sorry. <laughs> that I don't know and don't care about, but they, they would tell me, they left everything to you and they were mega rich. And it just... And I've looked, I've searched on both sides of the family. I married a wife. I go, well, do you have anybody? No, we don't have anyone like that. It's like, man. And I say, I'm just such an unlucky guy. Everybody else gets stuff, all this stuff. No, you know what? I am a winner. I have been guaranteed, guaranteed something far better than that. And so have you. God says it's really important that you know that truth. Because that truth will change your perspective on what's going on in your world now. And so what you do is you lift that truth statement. You say, there is something that's been prepared for me. There is a place. And I'm going to get to see you face to face. That's a real thing. Guys, it is coming really, really soon. Really, really soon. The older I get, the shorter life seems. The more death I experience, the faster it seems like it's coming on everybody. And we've had loss in this body this week. You attach your specific situation to that and know that, first of all, it's home for you. It's real. It's yours. It's guaranteed. And the fact that that's true, you can attach it. You know how, you, like when you say, okay, I'm so tired of my job. I just need a break. I'm tired of school, all this stuff. And you plan a vacation, and it's one of those great ones. And you, Some of you have done it. You've got a vacation coming up. And just the fact that you know it's coming gives you a little bit of, okay, all right, it's coming. Hang on, it's coming. The fact that God says that, you can attach your situation, and you can say, that is real, and it is coming. It's mine. And the other thing you can attach to it right now is it's some of you. Right here, you have lost someone who's already there. Or you're losing someone who's on their way there, probably sooner. When you do that, you have a true statement. Now, can you imagine? So when you present yourself in front of God and you worship him, you make a truth statement and you say, there is a place, and when I get there, this is what I'm going to experience. And I'm attaching my, my right now life to it. And then what you do is you consciously express that directly to him because you say, you know what? There's somebody to thank. There's, some, there's one, one person responsible for this. There's someone who, and, and so let the, the songs of heaven rise to you alone. God, you're the one who made that true for me. You're the one who makes that a reality. And so we 
we do those three things with that phrase. Now, here's the next part of the song. Sean's going to lead us in that. And listen to what, what, what it says next. In this life I will stand Through my joy and my pain Knowing there's a greater day There's a hope that never fails Where your name is lifted high And forever praises rise For the glory of your name I'm believing for the day Where the wars and violence cease All creation lives in peace Let the sons of heaven rise to you alone Uh, Now, do you see what you just said or heard? Something just happened there. Because first we were saying a truth statement about what's waiting for us. But let me go back and show you the first part of what, we just, what you just sang, if you sang it, or what you would. That's true. And now, now there's a statement of truth about life right now. And there's a statement that, that says, in this life I would stand through my joy and my pain, knowing there's a greater day. There's a hope that never fades. It's, now I want, I want to direct you to a passage of Scripture, all right? So take a look. If you've got a Bible with you, take a look. First Peter chapter 1. Because that phrase directly correlates to the truth of what God says about life on earth now in light of what's waiting for us. First Peter, in the New Testament, First Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read for you a little bit in ver- verse 3 and following. And listen to, what, listen to the, the, the juxtaposition of where I'm headed and then where I am now and the perspective it gives. So it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth. That's what we were talking about. And there's a living hope. There's a hope inside us that's given through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And it's given, and it leads to an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Okay, that's what we were just talking about. There's something that's been in reserve for you, and it says it is kept, it's reserved in heaven for you. Who, okay, that's what's going on, but who right now, it says... Something's going on. And it says, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. There's something going on that God's protecting. He's, he's, he's holding on to you until you get there. But that doesn't mean that right now there aren't things that cause pain. Because look what it says. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while You may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And look at at the perspective that this gives. Though you've never seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, remember what it says, someday I'll see you face to face. You're not seeing him now, face to face. You believe in him, and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So there's a true statement that's, been, that's given there and that's reflected in, in this passage. That in this life, I can stand through my joy and my pain 
knowing something's ahead. What it does is it gives me some perspective on what I'm going through. There is a hope that never fails. Let me say that again. Because some of you are in the middle of really excruciating times right now. Really excruciating. There's a hope. There's a hope that this is going somewhere. There's a hoping that, hope that there will be resolution. There is a hope for comfort ahead. There's a hope. And it will not disappoint you. It will never fail you. That hope is available to you because Jesus Christ has secured it. In the meantime, here's something that we don't need much reminded about, okay, with that true statement. That I, there's a hope that I have, but it, that, I, that I could stand with through my joy, or my, my, yes, through my joy and through my pain. And here's the reality, the other truth. Until that day comes, right now, everything groans. Everything groans. Your body groans. Your finances groan. Your relationships groan. The earth itself groans. Occasionally, it'll just explode in ash like we saw this weekend. It'll shake all over the place because it's broken. It's groaning for something. You know what the Bible says about that? It's right in Romans chapter 8. Take a look here. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves. And, and we're, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has told us when He delivers, we're getting the goods. But we ourselves, who even have that, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We groan, and it's for good reason, because we're not full yet. We're not whole yet. We're not healed totally yet. We're not home yet. That hope is secure, but right now, I still groan. Now, that's a truth statement. You hear that truth statement, you, 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 you hold it up and say, this is true, there is a place secure for me, and in the meantime, I've got joy and I've got pain. And now, what, now the important part, the part that, that's the truth. Now, worship in spirit says, so open your life and heart to that right now. What is the current specific situation? And that's what, in worship, what I do is I not just make the statement, I hold my heart open and say, What's causing me to groan right now? I bring that out. Can I just pause and say, why would anybody want to do that? <laughs> Don't you have enough pain without going to church and feeling more? Why, why would I want to open up my pain? Why would I want to open up my groaning? You know why? Because when you do, it's the only way that the medicine spiritually that's capable of comforting it, changing it, altering it, can be applied. And so I bring what's causing me pain. Can I ask you, what are you wrestling with in your life right now? What feels incomplete to you? What is, what is unhealed? What is, what is unresolved for you? What, what's unfulfilled or what's uncertain? What is, what is the weight that you tend to carry with you? God says, bring it out. Worship in spirit. Bring your heart the, where that happens. And then we make statements about that when we attach it, that we say that something is true. And 2 Timothy 1, verse 12 says, 
I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him to that day. The Bible uses this thing. There's, there's two days it talks about. It talks about this day, which is when you're living, and there's that day, which is the day when he restores things. He wants us to live today in light of that day. Know that there's a day that's coming, and so today I'm going to let that affect me. And I, will, I, I know and I'm convinced that he will guard what I've entrusted to him. And so the perspective that we, we feel and we attach is to make a statement about that, and that is, let us not become weary in doing good, because at the proper time, here's the promise, guys, here's the promise, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. So we consciously express that directly to God. We say, I am believing for the day. That doesn't just mean I'm trying to get myself emotionally worked up doesn't mean I'm just trying to give myself a frenzied experience. I'm believing for the day means my hope is going to fuel my perseverance right now. Romans says hope, hope leads to perseverance. They're co- connected with each other. And so we say to God, okay, in the middle of my pain, there's a hope. And so I'm saying to you, God, right now I feel it, but I say I am not giving up. I'm not cashing out on this thing. I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to stay on the course because I know that that day is going to come. And so that leads to a very, very simple statement that that Sean's going to lead us in now where we're here and we can say these words. Eternity, all my heart will give all the glory to your name. For eternity, all my heart will give all the glory to your name. You know, what we didn't say. My lips will give all the glory to your name. That should happen. Do you see what, what we just said? My heart is going to give all the glory to your name. There is something really, really important about that truth statement. In the middle of what's going on, something is going to happen in my heart. How, how, how does a heart bring glory to his name? How, how, does you, how, do you, how do you sing? We say we sing from our heart. No, I thought I sing from my vocal cords, you know? When the Bible talks about it, it says it's talking about you express yourself from your control center, from your true self, your core. Your will is part of your heart. And there's a huge difference between understanding something with our heads and entering it and saying it from our heart. The Bible says that over and over again, here's Psalm 86, says, I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. Psalm 111.1, praise the Lord, I will extol the Lord with all my heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's it's a level of who who we are and how we exist. See, you, you can cheer with your lips. You can understand with your brain. But you believe with your heart. It's a statement that says, I am, I am bringing 
the control center of my life to say to you, I'm in this with you. You know, there's a, this, this gets used a lot when we try to help people come to know Christ as their Savior. Romans 10 says this, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. There's, they go together, but there's, you can't, it's not just saying words. You don't just quote words to Jesus and get out of hell free. There's something that has to happen in your heart. There has to be a, a, a submission of my heart that says, so that says, from my heart is going to say, my heart is going to declare that I am going to keep living faithfully. I'm going to keep holding on to you because I believe something. I'm trusting something. Can I, can I tell you? There are a whole lot of religions in the world, a whole lot of systems of thought, a whole lot of people who, who think you can get your life better. Can I tell you that this, this is just how, how I say it for myself? People say, well, you know, what if Jesus isn't the Son of God? What if, what if those are other ways to heaven? What if, what, if these, uh, what if it's about being sincere? Or what, if, what if all the guys with the swords in the Middle East are right? I will tell you that when it comes down to where my, what I'm banking on, I have put all my chips all my chips on red. All of them. Jesus Christ is either the Son of God, Savior of the world, and He's my Savior, or I spend eternity away from whoever God is. That's, 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 that's the bet I've made. And I'm convinced, even in the middle of my doubting, even when I get unsure, even when, I, even when it feels really funny to me, I make a statement that says, I'm, go- I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to see this through to the end. It doesn't mean I feel it all the time. It doesn't mean I don't have doubts all the time. It's a choice I make from my heart. Everything is being bet on him. And I just wanted to pause when we talk, when that little phrase, because there's something about our heart that needs to be, this is, this is important about that passage. Some of us have never, perhaps, from the heart, done business with Jesus Christ and said, here it is. All my trust is in you. I'm inviting you. I'm I'm betting on you. I'm believing in you. Even though I've never seen you, even though I don't have, I'm not have total, all my questions answered, I, I am saying that I'm counting on what Jesus Christ did on the cross to pay for my sin. I believe, I'm gonna declare that I believe he rose from the dead and that he will take me to be with him forever. I, that's, I'm, I'm going on record. It's with your mouth you confess, but it's with your heart that you believe. And here's something that's amazing about worship, because if, if we're worshiping, we are going consciously into the presence of God Almighty, who loves us and opens his arms and presents him, uh, the path to himself through his Son. And you know, I've, heard, I've talked to people, and, and there, it's happened in this room, that people have repented of their sin and been born again in the middle of a worship song. Some of you might have had, had that happen. That in the middle of it, you say, right now, I, I believe it. I'm going to declare it. I'm not just going to let this be words. My heart will, will speak all the glory of your, of, to your name. And when we consciously express that to God and we say, you know what, I'm going to be praising you forever, but I'm starting now. We're entering into worship. Now, 
there's a chorus here, and um, the chorus comes almost straight out of Scripture. And we held it to the last because it's a declarative statement. And this is part of what it means to worship. So listen to the last part or join in if you like. scripture there's a true statement there that the day is coming where no more things there will be things that there will be no more of revelation 21 he will wipe every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away he who was seated on the throne said i am making everything new that day is coming when he will dry the tears will heal every single wound. He will right every wrong. He will purify everything that's impure. He will cleanse all the reputations. He will remove all the shame. Death will be eliminated and conquered. All the hurt, all the cause for hiding will be gone. And until then, here's another truth statement. That the God who loves us, the God who we are in the presence of, says that he holds us right now. Did you, did you see what, what 1 Peter 1 said when it said that, that he has given us all those things and they're kept in heaven for you, but in 1 Peter 1, 5 it says, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation is ready to be revealed. There might be sin, there might be pain, there might, there might be hurt, But there is a truth that right now my heart is held securely by the God who absolutely loves me, who sings over me, who wants to be close to me, who promises me where he's taking me. So until until the day comes when I see it all and and it's all given finally, I'm securely held with that assurance. And that's why the Psalms say it over and over again. It just says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Do you need, anybody here need some, do you need rest? Anybody feel like you could use a rest? Psalm 27, 5. In the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Psalm 16 says, he won't abandon me. That Jesus, This was quoted about Jesus too. He won't abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And, and this is what Psalm 73 says. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. That's a truth statement. That day is coming when all of that will be cleared, all the pain and all the sin that, that is going on. And until that day, There is something that's absolutely true of us. We are being preserved. We may feel loss and pain, but we won't lose the most important thing. We won't lose our hope. We won't lose the promise. That is for sure. And we can come to him and we can say, you hold me 
right now. Now you attach your current situation to that. And let me just ask you, what are your current tears about? Your current tears, the ones you cried this week or this month or the ones you could cry even now, what are they about? He will dry those tears. He will restore what has been lost. He will restore your hope. It's guaranteed. It's a promise. He's actively holding us right now. And so the invitation is come close to him. Come near to him. Climb into his arms. When I sing this song, I want to picture myself saying, There's, I, you've given me promises. I'm holding on to the hope. And in the meantime, can I just climb into your arms? I just want to say it again and know it, declare it, that you hold me right now. To say consciously, to express it, here are my tears, God. Here's my pain. I'm climbing under you, the shadow of your wing. We're about to sing this song. And I'm not asking you to try to contrive something. I'm not asking you to try to make it like, like some, pretend something's true that it's not. But can I just invite you? Here's an opportunity we're going to have. And you and God can enter in and you can lift up. So you don't have to lift up every truth. Just start with one. Hang on to it. Attach your, what's significant in your life to it right now. And as you do, recognize that when we say, you hold me now, there's an opportunity for you from your heart to place yourself totally in the hands of one who will not let you go.